Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and after six months, we've made it. We've made it to the NBL Finals. It's about to get underway. We've got four teams who I think can all lay a genuine claim to winning this championship, so that's pretty exciting. We'll announce some big award winners on this show. We'll have our Hoops Heaven MVP winner to announce and also our winner of the Damo Award, the best defensive player with Damian Martin. We'll also have our full Tab Touch preview back with Maddie Knight. So a jam-packed show. We'll start with some unfortunate news as well with the passing of a former teammate of, of my co-host, Sean Redditch as well. And it's been a, been a bit of a tough week in, in that sense, but we are pushing on to get ready for the NBL Finals that gets underway tonight. Sean Redditch, the scoring machine. How do we find you this week on the eve of the Finals? Oh, look, excited for the NBA fi- NBL Finals coming up. We've got the NBA Finals going on at the moment well, the NBA, as well. So, NBA uh, Finals have been exciting too. Yeah, absolutely. my team, the Phoenix Suns, are uh, looking the goods at the moment. So um, I'm are, excited to are. see how that all all plays out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, you know some question marks coming into the NBL Finals. Usually you kind of know how it's going to play out and, and who, but – um, you know, it should be a, a great couple series coming up, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I agree. Uh, I I genuinely think any of the four teams can win. Do you do you feel similarly? I do think any of the four teams can get to the finals. Uh yep. You, you know, I think Melbourne United won to lose. Um, yep, but I sure. do think any of those four teams have a legitimate shot if things go the right way. Um, and you know, there's some wild cards with the fact of where the games are being played and that, that, um, Mm. you kind of have to take into account as well, which I think gives a team like Southeast Melbourne Phoenix a chance provided that it's playing on a neutral court. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Melbourne United, we've got up against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix with that series played in Sydney at Kudos Bank Arena with no fans in attendance over the three games. So that'll be a bizarre circumstance. And then we've got the Perth Wildcats and the Illawarra Hawks. It feels like every time the Hawks make the playoffs, they have to play against Perth, and it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for them so far. But um, this could be a chance without Bryce Cotton. I mean, you, you just never you just never know. So we'll, we'll deep dive into all of those series and a lot more later on in the show. But I want to start this show by dedicating this episode of Hoops Evans Basketball Hustle to... To now the late Galen Young, a teammate, championship-winning teammate of yours, Sean, um, and somebody that I, funnily enough, got very close to in his few months that he was was here in Perth. I spent a lot of time with him and nothing but fond memories. But more than that, over the, the 11 years since, um, I've stayed in pretty close contact with him. He has continu- continually reached out to me and stayed in touch, and we formed a pretty close bond. And when I heard the news earlier this week of his passing and in the the horribly unfortunate, tragic um, circumstances that happened, um, took me by shock. Um, can I just get your first thoughts, Sean, and, and a bit of a bit of a reflection on what sort of a teammate teammate he was? Yeah, it was pretty shocking news. Um, yeah, you don't think in this stage of life uh, you, you'd be losing teammates like that. And then when you find out kind of how it all happened with a, a freak accident of a car going through the house it just um it just kind of puts a a damper on a lot of things and and, you know you appreciate um you know every day that you get and uh you know you just got to feel for him and his family um obviously with um having kids and, and being a dad as well there's just so many levels to it that uh you know and you're reading he's he's impacting the life of of, of future basketballers as well so um you know as a teammate he was outstanding he was you know came in and uh yeah I don't think we would have won the championship that year without him mm. we, we you know we needed yep. someone that kind of you know we had Luke Schincher in the starting spot but when um we needed kind of to go small and and play a little bit more defensive and mobile he was outstanding and uh you know he was always a tough matchup. I used to match up when he was playing for the Townsville Crocs, and I knew I mm. had my work cut out for him. He was so strong and, and such a, uh, a smart player. And then for him to kind of 
come in and play that role for us is, is what we needed, especially late in the season. He just fit in perfectly and um, did whatever, you know, Coach B- Rob Beveridge asked. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was great to kind of get that monkey off our backs, win that first championship. And so forever thankful for him, you know, coming in, sacrificing and, 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 and making an impact on the team and nothing but great memories of, of him as a teammate and a person. And, uh, you know, he's going to sorely be missed and, um, in the, in the basketball world, and I'm sure it's, uh, you know, I just can't imagine what, um, what what's happening over there, but just uh, tragic circumstances um, that occurred. Yeah, it's funny. That championship season where he arrived mid-season, in talking to him in the years since, he feels like there's no doubt, like in his mind, he has no doubt that that Wildcats team wouldn't have won without him. But he's all he always felt underappreciated, like he never got – the kudos that he perhaps deserved for the impact he had on that on that team. And one thing he was desperate to try to do was to come back to Perth one day, have a look at this this new arena at RAC Arena and and just just maybe get celebrated a little bit, maybe get introduced to the crowd and and probably try to have a championship reunion with with all of you you guys. That was something he was really keen to try to experience. I know he was disappointed he didn't get asked to come back the following season by the Wildcats, so that was something that did stick with him, but it's just it's tragic to know that he's not going to get that chance to ever come back and celebrate with you guys what you achieved. Yeah, I mean it is. Um, yeah, you know he's probably in a tough position in that in that regards. You know he came in and did his role, and you kind of feel mm-hmm. like if your team wins a championship, you play a role, you should be rewarded um, in the future. I think things changed a little bit in the fact that um, you know we didn't have Shincher the following year. Um, the, the, the makeup of the team and, and in that import spot, it kind of, um, you know, the, the, I still think he only had the one import to start the next season. Yeah. I think they, they did like, I think at that stage, the Wildcats really liked to, um, I guess in a way, keep it, keep that spot open. Um, Mm. you know, I probably much would have preferred, um, him to, him to come back. I love the, you know, how he fit in and just his, uh, you know, him and I, I think worked, together well out on there on the yeah, court um, I enjoyed uh, playing alongside of him so it was um, you know I think there's there's a lot of things and you know as, as it happened that was the year um, I ended up getting injured the next year um, we've had quite mm. a few injuries you know I think Jesse actually had an injury that year Maddie Knight did he so yeah. there's a lot of too, things yeah. that went on that that next year but um, yeah I, I you know, I can see where that would have left a little bit of a bad taste when you when you come in, you play your role, your team's successful. Usually, you get rewarded, but um, sometimes as the import, it's uh, it's always hard. You kind of that that last spot to kind of get filled, and um, unfortunately, they they didn't select him. But I would have loved to seen him come back the next year as well. Yeah, and 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 I guess more recently, if anybody wants to go back and have a look into our archives at of the show. I caught up with him last year for a bonus episode and I think he could tell just from from probably my voice how much I enjoyed catching up with him. He's always been be I have no heart, no problem saying this. He's been the fa- my favorite basketball player that I've ever had anything to deal with just the way he was he treated me as well more than anything. He didn't look down on me. He treated me as an equal and we became really really good friends over a long time and it was great to catch up with him last year. And what I loved about that was the passion he talked about for his kids. He was so passionate about giving them the best possible upbringing and just just helping turn them into into great, great people. And he was really passionate about that. But also the kids he was coaching. He talked about some of them on the show and and he had a great passion to help them become the best men they could be, but also the best basketball players. And he wanted them to achieve success in their lives. And he had he was dedicating himself to that and he was moving into another coaching role. Um, you know, as as all of this unfolded, um, he was he was dedicating his life to that. But the one thing that really struck home to me was he loved his mum more than anything in the whole world. And he would always speak so highly of her. He would love every chance he got to get back to Memphis to see her. Um and it just really hits hits home pretty hard, thinking that this all happened in his in his mum's house while while she was asleep, and she had to come out and, and find it. Yeah, it's a, a tragic circumstances, and um, you know it does uh, 
does put things in perspective and uh you know he's gonna be sorely missed that's for sure and and had an impact just in his short time uh here over here in Perth as well so I think there's uh you know just reading it a little bit more background on his story um this week and you just see the impact that he had in college high school um at the professional level and now after so uh you know anywhere he went he was loved and um admired by by a lot yeah yeah i mean we'll we'll move on but um yeah i'll i'll forever be grateful for the time i spent with him and talking to him over the to the 10 years since i'll still never rem- never forget that that I was the one that drove him to the airport as he flew out of Perth after the championship, and we, we said goodbye and we stayed in touch ever since. And and yeah, I'd like to dedicate the rest of this episode to to Galen Young, the the one and only. Um, but let's try and move on, Sean. It's it's a little bit difficult to to put basketball into perspective after that, but that's what we're here for. That's what people have tuned in for. So let's have a look at the results from round twenty one to close out the season and. And that determined the, the top four in the end. So it started back with the Illawarra Hawks securing their spot, beating the Perth Wildcats 81-79. to um, The New Zealand Breakers beat the Cairns Taipans 84-78. to The Brisbane Bullets kept themselves alive, beating the South East Melbourne Phoenix 91-84. to Sydney Kings kept their slim hopes alive, beating the Hawks 79-73. to Melbourne United secured top spot once and for all, beating the Wildcats 78-64. to the South East Melbourne Phoenix then just about locked in their, their top four spot, beating the Breakers 83 to 78. The Kings beat the Bullets 83 to 82 in a in a cracking game on Saturday night as well. Then a couple of dead rubbers to finish. Melbourne United beat the 36ers 102 to 80. And to farewell, Andre Lamanis, the Brisbane Bullets beat the South East Melbourne Phoenix 94 to 84. That meant that the latter finished up Melbourne, Perth, Illawarra, South East Melbourne in the top four spots. What did you make of what we saw in that final round, Sean? Well, a lot of surprises there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, you know, the Hawks beat the Wildcats and the lose to the Kings. Um, you know, the biggest one for me was Brisbane Bullets beating the Phoenix on the last game of the season. I thought, you know, looking at it, I thought the Phoenix, without Bryce Cotton, they would have wanted to match up with the Wildcats. Um, so I thought they had a lot to play for, and obviously the Bullets season was finished. There was a bit of emotion there with Andre Lamontis' last game, but I just would have thought the Phoenix would have come out hungry and aggressive, knowing that they were going to be able to go against a Wildcats team without Bryce Cotton versus one of the most talented teams we've seen in a long time in Melbourne United and the way they're playing this year. So, um, But they, they lost that, and uh, that decided the top four. I think Illawarra's probably um, – Happy with that result as well, although they have, do have to come here mm. and win a game here in Perth. I think it's, yeah. um, you know, there's a chance of that uh, w- without Bryce Cotton. And so, um, you know, I think that they've got to be fe- feeling confident and excited that they not only got into the finals, but finished third and, and playing against a team that's uh, ha- being hit by some injuries at the moment. Do you think the Phoenix are happier to avoid having to come to Perth two days after that game or... If you were the Phoenix, what have you tried to avoid Melbourne United at all costs? Look, uh, uh, you know, always as a player, I kind of felt like you didn't want to look at matchups. You just, you mm-hmm. kind of want to have that mentality that whoever you play, you're going to have to play well to win anyway. So it didn't, didn't matter if you, but um, if I had a choice to play against Melbourne United with the lineup that they have versus a a Perth Wildcats team without Bryce Cotton, even though I had to come to the jungle, I think I would have uh, preferred to come come to Perth. But um, you'll ne- we'll never know what their mindset was going into that one. But um, it was a uh, an interesting result, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, it was. Um, do you feel like we got the right top four out of the teams that missed out? We had the Kings at nineteen and seventeen, Bullets eighteen and eighteen, the Thirty Sixers thirteen and twenty three. The Breakers 12 and 24 and the tight ends 8 and 28. Do you feel like we got the right top four? Yeah, I think, you know, I think in the end, I, I mean, I would have liked to seen if the Kings could have mm. not got hit by so many injuries. I think, you know, losing yeah. Vasilovic really hurt. Um, I think that that was a, a big blow to them. He was so crucial and just his ability yeah. to stretch the floor with Casper Ware. And add in, and they still only missed out on percentage in the end. Yeah, and they only missed out on percentages. So it's, uh, you, you know, you look at the 
the percentage, you know, Simon Mitchell finishes in the four spot, gets uh, an extended deal, and Adam Ford, you know, with all those injuries. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Phoenix had some injuries during the year as well that um, probably limited him um, at Tom's, but uh, loses out, and, and he's gone before the season even finishes. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's how close and how uh, scary it could be to be a head coach in, in the NBL. Well, let's talk about that. I wanted to discuss those coaching movements. We've got three vacancies across the league right now. Obviously, Andre Lamanis, it was his decision to leave the Brisbane Bullets. He's taking up a job in Japan. Um, Adam Ford, it appears like it was his decision to leave, but I don't know that we've ever got the full story after one season of the Kings. And and the one that shocked me, Mike Kelly getting the sack from the Cairns Taipans um, with a year to go on his deal. Um, what do you make of the vacancies we've got right now? Yeah, usually you get one or two vacancies. I mean, three and kind of know them before the end of the season as well yeah. is uh, is interesting. We don't know, um, you know, there possibly could be some others there. You, you don't know where the breakers are going to sit mm. um, after having another tough year. And um, you got to think 36ers yeah. will give Connor Henry another chance. But, yeah. um, and there's talk. Tre- A lot of talk about Trevor Gleason. Talk too. about Trevor Gleason being, um, you know, big offers from over in Asia. So that'll mm. be, be interesting uh, offseason how that plays out. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, you know, Cans, I think they just kind of felt like they needed to go in a different direction. Um, yeah. we, we know they're cash strapped to, uh, already uh, being a smaller market team as well. So to be able to have to, you know, I don't know the financial details, but to be able to have to pay mm. a coach out that just won coach yeah. of the year award the previous year mm. is a, is an interesting move from, from that point of view. So I'll, you know, I'm sure Adam Ford will throw his name into um, a few teams there, possibly cans. There's, there's been some, uh, yeah. some rumors there as well. So, you know, I thought he did a, a good job at, at the Kings, especially with the injuries, and um, you know, got a lot of time and respect for 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 him as a coach. So, you know, it's sad that we we lose a, a guy like Mike Kelly, who I think um, everyone enjoys being around and and seeing, and is kind of rooting for him to be successful. So, hopefully, he'll get yeah. another chance uh, at the top job as well. Yeah, that's so. I don't think you'll find a nicer guy in basketball than, than Mike Kelly. But I, I kind of felt like for what he did last season to get them within one game of a grand final and for what they went through this year, cutting back to two imports hurt them more than anybody else. So he lost he lost DJ Newbill and then he ended up losing Cam Oliver throughout the season and they played a lot of the season without Coat Noy and Majuk Deng. I, I kind of felt like he deserved another chance, but I also feel like... Um, what happened with Mojave King might have ended up having a lot to do with with him um, losing his job as well, and his agent made it clear that they weren't happy with the way he was treated, and I kind of feel like that might have had a big say in it in the finish. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, I didn't think, you know, Mojave King played well in the preseason, um, mm. but that, that's a tough part when you're a rookie and you you know, your team's struggling. It's it's tough for a coach to kind of look down the line and give you all the minutes you you probably hope or deserve, think you deserve. Uh, well, my thoughts are that this is not a development league. This is a professional basketball league. You've got to do what you need to do to win games, not not be a, be a developer. Oh, absolutely. And you, mm. you can't be a developer. I mean, look at yeah. look at Mike Kelly as coach of the year last year, has a struggles this year, and he's done. He's out. You know, there's yeah. only yeah. so many head coaching jobs in the NBL. So you have to treat it every year. And obviously, you know, you're going to take a guy like a Luke Travers here, and you're going to give him some minutes. And, um, you know, they probably have a luxury of, of having surrounding him with, you know, veterans where – he can kind of play his role, and he probably fits in because he's he's a better defensive player than offensive player at the moment, anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think in yeah. the, in that regard. But when you're an, an offensive player um, and you're struggling on the defensive end, it's hard for a team that's struggling defensively to find extra minutes for you. So it's a um, yeah, it, it it is a tough one. But um, you know, it's not a you know, it's not a development league. This is a professional league that uh, with yeah. some outstanding players and, you know, a lot of people like to claim that it's, you know, 
outside of the NBA and maybe the the Euro League, one of the best leagues in the world. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's not an easy league that you can come in and just make an impact if you're uh, if you're not an elite player. Yeah, exactly. Um, and speaking of elite players, let's take a look at your voting for round twenty one for our Hoop Seven MVP award, and we will announce our winner, our winner of the MVP award later on in the show. But for right now, the round twenty one votes, Sean. You go on Ty Webster from the Breakers, one vote. Mitch Creek from the Phoenix, two. Tyler Harvey from the Hawks, three. Jock Landale from Melbourne United, four. And Darrell Martin, who I think he, I think we did never quite saw the best of him. I think he could really be a dominant player in this league from the Sydney Kings with the five votes. Yeah, I thought he was, you know, almost, uh, you know, 23 and 12, 28 and 6, efficient. Mm. He, um, he played well. Jacques Landale, you know, probably. Little hard done by. I think sometimes his numbers don't actually reflect his impact on the game. Um, and then uh, you, know, you know Tyler Harvey's just been um, outstanding all year long. And uh, you know the Hawks are definitely not in third place without him. And uh, the mm-hmm. way he's led, uh, especially down the stretch, just getting them huge wins. And, and and the other thing about him is he just makes big buckets as well. I mean, yep. some of the shots yeah, he hit absolutely. versus the Wildcats. Uh, to kind of seal them to get into the finals was just just tough. I mean, mm. you know, against one of the better defensive, maybe even the defensive player of the year. We'll have to find out how the votes play out. Mm-hmm. But um, it's uh, yeah, he has been an uh, exciting player to watch and, and a huge reason why the Hawks have uh, got into the finals this year. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's a nice segue. We're about to hear from Damien Martin to find out the winner of the Damo Award for this year. Um, now, if you you might have already taken a peek at the leaderboard, Sean, to have a look. But it, off the top of your head this year, who do you think would have been the best defensive player? Who, who Damo's quick to point out that you didn't always play a lot of defense. I I think you might have played a bit more defense than he gives you credit for. But who do you think would have won this award this year? Just off the top of your head. Oh, look, I think there's probably. I really like Justin Simon. Um, I mm. think if you're looking at pure defensive, you know, and I like Mitch Norton as well. Um, and, you know, I think Sunday Detch, Tom Abercrombie, those guys do a great job. But I think the two best defenders in the league are Mitch Norton and Justin Salmon. If I've got someone that needs to lock someone up, I'm picking those two um, over anyone else. Now, I think I think Damo might not be too far from agreeing with you. So when we come back here on Hoop 7's, Basketball Hustle. We'll hear from Damien Martin and we'll find out the winner of the Best Defensive Player of the Year award thanks to Boomerang. Okay, here we are with the demo segment, thanks to Boomerang here on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle, and, and it's the business time of the demo award. We'll announce the winner shortly, but before we get to that demo, um, unfortunate news this week, and Sean and I discussed it off the top of the show, but just horrible news about what happened to your championship teammate, Galen Young. Can you just give, give your thoughts on your reaction to that and... And, and some quick memories of, of your time with him. Yeah, I woke up uh, and looked at my phone and saw I had a text message in a group chat from Rob Beveridge. Mm. And I haven't had a group Beveridge for a while. And normally when we chat, it's just he and I. So for it to be a group chat, stood out. And then I opened it and there was a, a link to an article from America and future of Galen. And, and obviously I read the article and was just yeah, absolutely shocked. Um, obviously deeply sad and uh, the fact that he's got twin eight-year-old sons it, it, yeah it's one of those ones where I regret regret it instantly that I haven't remained in contact with him because he's one of those guys I look back on and think he was just such a good teammate and there's that cliche saying about it's not what you did it's how you made people feel now he was a great basketball he travelled the world playing professional basketball without him we don't win that championship in 2009-10 
But it was more so his presence and who he was. He, he was like our big brother. Mm. I was, you know, first time at the World Catch. Kev Lish's first year as a rookie playing professionally. Uh, Jesse Wagstaff was a rookie. Drew Williamson was young into his career. Uh, Brad Robbins was, you know, third or fourth year. Like, we were a young team. And he was that veteran that really did put us under his wing and just was not only the toughest guy and a presence on the court, but off the court, he was just a good guy. Like, he just had an infectious smile and laugh. And kind of at, at that time of my career, I was really hard on myself and super serious about basketball. And he was one of those guys that managed to show me there's a balance of doing whatever it takes during those 40 minutes or 48 minutes back then to win a game. But then also realizing it's just a game. You've got to unwind, have fun, not take it too seriously. And just a great guy. And, and I know that he's been involved in basketball uh, with coaching. He's got two kids. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, I can't get it out of my mind, to be honest, because it's just horrible for it to happen in the unique circumstances. Just, yeah, just a tragedy to a really good human being more than anything more above anything he did with basketball just a great human being yeah absolutely well well said it's there's just not much more else we can say it's just such, such tragic circumstances but um it's tough to move on but we'll have to because we're here to announce the winner of your best defensive player award thanks to boomerang we called it the demo fittingly and you don't know you don't know the result of this demo, so that's that's what's fun about this. You've been casting the votes every week, but the leaderboard is has been a mystery. I did reveal the top three to you last week, so you have some idea. But um, what I might do, I'll start at the bottom and I'll we'll run through the leaderboard of everyone that's got a vote on this award so far this season. Ah, go for it. So let's go. With the one the the people that got one vote: Vic Law, Finn Delaney, Tyrell Harrison, and BJ Johnson. Yep. Two votes for all of these guys. Cam Oliver, Udai Baba, Jack White, Mitch McCarron, Craig Moller, and Shay Illy. Yeah, good defenders in that one. I was surprised <laughs> yeah. you only got two. Yep. Okay, three votes. Ben Moore, Yanni Wetzel, Matt Hodgson, Jock Landale, Xavier Cooks. We're getting to the very handy defenders, yeah. We are now. These two as well. The four voters, Kiefer Sykes and Bryce Cotton. Super quick hands. I think White may finish the season fourth in steel, third in steel. Uh, so, yeah, no surprise there. Okay, six votes. Got some very handy ones here. Isaiah Liafa, Cam Glidden, yep. Isaac Humphreys, and Colton Iverson. Yeah, well, Iverson was just dominant on the board. Some big games with block. Humphreys, I think, was leading early on uh, and then obviously got injured, but he could have, had he continued to that level of the defensive end, uh, been the defensive player of the year. Yeah, we had a similar discussion as well. Or we will have a similar discussion with Sean about the MVP award where if he played another 17 games like he could have, he could have won two awards. He could have won these two awards. Yeah, I agree. Okay, now we're getting to the real business end, Damo. Fifth position on seven votes, John Mooney. Rebounding machine, yeah, plays, plays both ends. Yeah. Now, fourth position. Now, this one might be a little bit of a surprise because this man did get in the top three of the award winners announced by the NBL, Tom Ab- Ab- Abercrombie, on eight votes. Yeah, I think Tom was, for about a five-week period, he was the best defender in the league by a country mile. He just went to another level and then he had his hamstring tear. But, mm. yeah, obviously the breakers started super slow you know, they weren't winning games. He was, you know, still trying to find his, his groove with a bunch of new playing personnel and injuries in and out with the group. But, yeah, there was a period. And a couple of those games were actually against the Wildcats. And I thought he did a fantastic job on Bryce uh, in, in two of those games. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he's finished top three in the overall NBL Defensive Player of the Year awards. Uh, and the finished fourth in mine as probably a, a combination of missing the last few rounds with injury probably a bit of a slow start, but there was a period, like I said, where hands down, best defender in the league. Now, speaking of that, this man was absolutely the best defender in the league at a, at a lot of points during the season, and he was on top of your leaderboard, I'll give you the tip, for most of the season. From the Adelaide 36ers, he ended up in third position, <laughs> Sunday Detch on 16 votes. Sunday, see, if you'd asked me at the top of the segment who's won it, I'd be like, look, I feel like I was voting a lot at the start of the year. He was leading most of the way. Yeah, look, incredible defender, plays 90 foot from, you know, picks up full court, turns you, deflects passes, blocks shots. He is an incredible defender. 
the letdown probably at times was, you know, they started losing. Mm. They required him to score a little bit more, um, which may have taken away, but he's an incredible defender. If he doesn't win, you know, an NBL Defensive Player of the Year award by the end of his career, I'll be extremely surprised. He's going to mm. continually be, you know, in that top three or four when it comes to the defensive end. Yeah, and I think you're right. If he plays on a better team, I think it'll help him as well. Now we've got to the top two, and this is where it gets very interesting. I'll give you the tip. We're only we've only got one vote separating these two these two men, and <laughs> and it's very tight. And I I think either of them would be deserving winners. But in second position from the Illawarra Hawks, we've got Justin Simon. Oh, which means I know who's won it, and <laughs> Justin Simon. So it's funny, and I know I've made this comparison throughout the course of the season. I see Simon and Detch as very similar defenders. Uh, and Simon actually is probably my favourite defender to watch in the league because he is so athletic, he reads the play so well, he's so aggressive, uh, and he rarely gets blown by, but because he does play that up and in, he is prone to it occasionally. He, uh, he could easily have his name called out for the NBL award announced next Wednesday. So much fun to watch at the defensive end. And, yeah, like you said, one point. But I guess that leads us to you announcing the overall winner. Absolutely. No surprise. The man that's replaced you, not only as the starting point guard of the Wildcats, but now as the best defensive player in the league. 21 votes <laughs> is Mitch Norton. Trying to take everything I ever had. Huh? <laughs> take my position with the cat now, the award. Look, he has taken his game to another level. Overall, but in particular, he is the head of the snake defensively. And what he did in the hub, I thought the first you know, five games where the Wildcats started two and three, he wasn't at his best at either end. But whatever happened in Melbourne, whether someone said something to him, whether he started backing himself more, whatever it was, he went to another level and has rarely looked back, in particular at the defensive end. So I'd have no problem announcing him as uh, the inaugural winner of the Damo Award. Feels really saying my own name for it, but no, he has been amazing. And yeah, I think between as much as I think Abercrombie's had a great season, I do think next week when the NBL announced their Defensive Player of the Year award, it's going to be Simon or Norton. And Norton's just so hard to get by off the dribble. You know, he, he may not be getting as many deflections and steals or block shots as a Simon or Detch, but what he does do is make sure that no one gets by him off the dribble and stays in front. And the few times he gets beaten, he almost, almost always gets back in the play to make it an extremely hard contested shot uh, without fouling. And that just wears players down. It wears teams down. It inspires his teammates do whatever it takes to lift to that level defensively and that's why the Wildcats are in the postseason uh, because of the defensive end and uh, Norto is the leader of that. Absolutely. So congratulations to Mitch Norton for winning the Damo Award thanks to Boomerang. Let's hope we can make this an, an inaugural award, Damo. It's been a lot of fun following it throughout the season. But as we speak right now, you're getting ready to head up the TV coverage from ROC Arena tonight. Give me your quick thoughts on how these two semifinal series are going to play out. Yeah, I think you got the extremes. I think Melbourne United are so potent, so deep, and can really get going. But in saying that, if South East utilise Ryan Brokoff the way I hope they do and wish they did, then between, you know, Creek, Sykes, Adnam, and Brokoff, they can put some points on the board. Then you've got Wetzel underneath, blocking shots, rebounding, high outlets, early on balls. And then Melbourne do the exact same, but they've probably got seven or eight names I could rattle off. So I think that's going to be a high-scoring, high-paced, a lot of on-board, a lot of individual skill. Flip it to Gorgian v. Gleeson, you know, Perth versus Illawarra. A lot more structure. Obviously, when Tyler Harvey has the ball in his hands, it's a green light to do whatever he likes, and that was, you know, Bryce's role. We don't have, you know, the Wildcats don't have Bryce anymore, so they'll be more structured, relying heavily on probably Norto to average 14 for the postseason if they're to advance. Obviously, they're going to need more for Magne at the scoring end. They need Mooney to continue what he's done all season, and Blanchard, I don't think he can ask much more of them. And then probably someone like a Jesse or a Clint to put together between them, you know, 15 to 20 points. And if they can do that collectively, you know, they'll threaten any team, uh, even without Bryce, because of what they can do defensively. Uh, so I'm, ex- I'm excited because you've got two masterminds in the coaching. You've got 11 championships between the two of them. And, you know, it all starts tonight. I'm literally uh, at RAC, and, and I'm actually doing 
the uh, the announcement for next week's NBL Defensive Player of the Year award winner without saying who's won it because they haven't told me. So I'm going to introduce them and then I guess uh, during the live coverage I'll throw to a, a photo of the winner. But uh, it's exciting because it's the best time of the year. I think Melbourne United will uh, will get through in three and then whoever wins tonight's game out of Illawarra Perth will go on. But it's, uh, it's going to be a massive game one because one win at Perth and, and they get full... They'll be full of confidence knowing they can win these types of games without Bryce. They lose, and it's going to be tough to, to get back in the series in Illawarra uh, without the league MVP. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, we better let you go, Damo. You're a busy man, but thank you for all of your efforts on the show. We'll be back next week ahead of the grand final, but thanks for, thanks for crowning Mitch Norton as the inaugural Damo winner. Uh, I'm actually going to see him in about 20 minutes. I don't know if I want to tell him that. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, can I can I give Simon two more votes so I don't have to give it to Norto? <laughs> well, you could have. It was all in your hands, Damo. All you had to do was follow the leaderboard, but you didn't want to throughout the season. No, I got to keep it authentic. <laughs> no, very good. No, thanks for having me on each week, Pikey. Looking forward to next weekend when we can preview the grand final. Absolutely. Thanks, Damo. Okay, we're back here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle with our Tab Touch preview once again with the Nightmare Matty Knight, the three-time NBL Championship winner. Matty, it's been a little while, but it's good to hear from you again. Um, why don't you start by catching up, up our listeners a little bit on what you've been up to over the last last month or two. It has been a while. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, at home with uh, our two youngest and um, getting involved in uh, old kick program. Mm. Uh, my two eldest have taken up Auskick, uh volunteer coach down there. So, um, no, absolutely loving it. And then just watching my daughter play at Willison in the under eight competition. So, uh, kids take up most of my time and my wife's time now, chasing them around uh, <laughs> for playing sport. Yeah, we, we know that obviously AFL was in your in your history a fair bit. Your dad played for Collingwood. Your dad was a bit of a legend down in Tasmania and you almost you always had a bit of footy in your blood. Is there temptation there to have a run around, or is is that probably a bit behind you? Uh, well, I've had a couple of coaches down there ask if I'm keen to come down for a game, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I've got more chance of getting another concussion in footy. Well, than, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, basketball. But uh, yeah, no, I love. Uh, I've made a, a well known that I love footy, and it's good to be actually involved uh, in footy. So. Um, Something I grew up with, and now I'm um, getting to go there with my kids. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. And what about seeing your daughter play basketball down at the the brand new Billiton Basketball Stadium? It's a very nice facility. Um, how, how's she going? Yeah, she's doing really well. Um, she uh, whatever she does, she puts 110 percent into it. There's uh, times we have to remind her she's uh, seven years old, and she's got plenty of time <laughs> for serious stuff, but. Uh, you know, she absolutely loves her sport, especially basketball and footy. So uh, it's great just sitting down uh, with parents and um, watching uh, yeah, me do her thing. A lot of people might not realise Sherelle was a pretty handy basketball player herself. She she had some great success there at the at the Joondalup or the Wanneroo Wolves. So um, it's probably hard for your kids not to have sport in their genes, given given their parents. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Sherelle had a great career. So, uh, you know... Um, Unfortunately for me, she's got parents that can give her tips, but uh, we try to stay as quiet as possible and just let her uh, learn her own way through. And if she needs uh, some help with things, we help, but we don't try and put too much pressure on her. She's only seven years old, mm. so um, we just enjoy getting to sit back and watch yeah, watch Mia go out and enjoy and play basketball. Yeah, fantastic. Now, there's there's plenty for us to try to catch up on and also look look ahead to with the finals in the NBL getting underway. One thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, down at the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, they've made some moves and you ruled yourself out as, as an assistant coach pretty early on when I asked you earlier in the season, but they have appointed Mark Radford as an assistant coach and um, I think that's a pretty pretty astute move. He's someone that did a lot of good things when he was he was at Perth and, and then in Adelaide in the, in the NBL. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of time for that. Um, it was him that gave me the opportunity when I was 16 years old to come and trial for the Northwest Tassie in the 
was known as Siebel then, and um, he really elevated my game. Um, going down to try now, he moved me to starting and um, ended up as under 23 player of the year. Um, he worked with me a lot of individuals. Um, so I had a lot to do with Rat and at under 18 nationals, it was great to catch up with him. I hadn't seen him probably since he was an assistant coach at Adelaide. Yeah. So, um, spoke to him then. He said, that, yeah, after Adelaide, he went away. He's done a master's in coaching. Um, he moved back to Tassie and he turned that um, whole program around in Tassie. If you look at uh, some of the juniors coming through now, the Armstrong, Wayne Smith, Serge Deans, all because of uh, what Rat's done down there. So it's great to see him um, involved in, uh, back in the NBL. And when I caught up with him, it's definitely one of his goals to get back in the NBL. Um, so it's great, it's great for Tassie basketball to have a local coach down there that knows the program. So uh, as soon as I've seen that, I've a message saying how happy I was mm. for him seeing back in the NBL. Yeah, I'm really happy for him too. So I think it's a, a very good move. Another coaching move, there's a few vacancies in the league, but the one I wanted to talk to you about was Adam Ford leaving the Sydney Kings. First of all, were you surprised that it, it appears it was his decision to step away after one season? And could you imagine him getting another job quite quickly? Yeah, no, I found that interesting. It wasn't like Sydney was easy, but so I, had a, I had a lot of injuries to deal with. The first year coach, you've got to rise up and down. Um, Obviously, Sydney, it's a, it's a tough market. They, they expect results. But um, I was very surprised when I seen uh, that he was uh, done after one year. Mm. Um, he for family reasons. I understand his family is still back here in Perth. Yeah, so I imagine been, that must yeah. have been that tough, especially when you got newborn too. Um, yeah, it would be hard. But, uh, yeah, it would be for family reasons. I don't know if uh, he's got something else lined up or... Maybe he's coming back to Perth. I don't know. There's rumours Trev's heading to Asia, so... There is, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? He'd be the perfect placement for Trev here. If that was to eventuate. Um, he knows the program so well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Wildcats can be a funny organisation at times with the way that they view things. They sometimes don't see things the way some of us... Others might, as you as you well and truly know, Matty. Um, do you think Adam Ford would be somebody the club would appoint? I think there's absolutely no doubt in the world he would be a great coach at the Wildcats, but do you think they would appoint somebody like Fordy? Oh, it's interesting. Um, once ever, well, why search? But then ended up getting crushed. So, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, like, they can't now because um, I have no idea. Obviously, they've got a few suspicions there now, but um, hey, the job did become available. Um, I'd be uh, back in 44, and he knows he's done his time. He's uh, had the one year experience in Sydney, but um, I think he'd be a lot more comfortable back in Perth, yep. back with family. He knows he's in and out the Wildcats, so um, yeah, I think he's candidate if it was to become open. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, okay, now we've got the season, the ne- seemingly never-ending six-month-long season that's now finally come to an end. And um, just to get your thoughts, do you think we got the top four that we deserved? Obviously, Melbourne and Melbourne and Perth were always going to make the finals. The Hawks and the Phoenix ended up making up the other two spots. Do you think we've got the top four that we probably should have got? Yeah, no, two definitely. Um, I think probably from three to six, there was a lot of inconsistent play throughout the year. And um, I think there'd be probably a couple of teams that missed out pretty uh, upset that maybe they didn't capitalise on results they needed. But uh, I think you've got the four best teams right now. Um, Gorgia with Illawarra, South East Melbourne, they've got probably underachieved the team they've had. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, and then Melbourne and Perth have probably been two top teams all season. So, you know, I definitely think the um, top four is the four deserving team. Okay, let's lock down now on the two series that we've got and get your thoughts, Matty. So it starts game one between the Perth Wildcats and the Illawarra Hawks, Thursday night at RAC Arena, and Saturday will be in Wollongong for game two, and then if needed, Monday back in Perth for game three. The history is against the Hawks. As you know, you were a part of a, a lot of it. Um, the Wildcats have eliminated the Hawks in the last five 
five playoffs, whether it was the two grand finals or the three semi-finals. And games in Perth, the Hawks have only ever won once at RAC Arena and they've lost 34 of the last 35 times they've come to Perth and they obviously need to win at least one in Perth to take this series. Um, but no Bryce Cotton, I think. Changes a lot of it. How do you see this series playing out? Oh, well, I didn't know that. That's been on 34 out of the last 35 <laughs> mm. You've gone a history change. You know, if they've got any chance. Obviously, um, yeah, Bryce is a, a massive out. You can't respond to him no matter what they say. Um, Bryce Cotton, Bryce Cotton. No one step up and replace Bryce Cotton. Puts a lot more pressure on Mooney, but um, yep. he's going to have to find his ways to get involved now. Obviously, Bryce opens so much up. Bill um, Warrior got some very good guards too. So, if they to win the series, they're going to have to get game one. Um, go up one deal, uh, head back home, back in front of the Hawks fans. But if they drop uh, game one, I think um, Perth will end up getting series in three games, but um, I remember when we played Cairns, uh, when we finished third, and the first game's always a free hit. Yep. Um, there's no pressure on you. Um, all the pressure's on the home team to win, so, but I think um, the Hawks, to have any chance in the series, they need to win game one, and Change that uh, 34, uh, 35 off. <laughs> yeah. On tap touch, we've got the Wildcats for this game one, $1.52. The Hawks, two fifty five. Is that $2.55 juicy enough odds for you, Matty? I think so. Obviously, um, the Hawks have been playing some pretty good basketball. Yeah. And, um, you can never write a team off with coach by Brian Gorgian. So there are guards starting to play some really good basketball, the Hawks. And if they first don't contain them, then um, it could get uh, either way. But I, I think uh, I'd be jumping on those odds for the Hawks. Mm. Now, the other series, this is really fascinating. Melbourne United and South East Melbourne Phoenix, the, the Melbourne rivals, but they're going to be playing this whole series in Sydney at Kudos Bank Arena, and there's not going to be any fans there for all three games. So game one, Friday night, game two, Sunday and if needed, Game 3 on Tuesday. Um, how strange is that going to be playing in Sydney? No fans, two Melbourne teams, and we've got a grand final spot up for grabs. Yeah, no, it's a pretty unique um, situation. Yeah. Um, no fans. That's, this is a time where fans can really make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's held in Melbourne. You'd be selling out nearly every game, I, I think so, yeah. But, but now um, he's played out. That massive arena and no fans. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, because uh, probably not what the league wanted. You got two Melbourne teams. You probably would have got ten plus thousand yep. each home game. And think of the money you make from that. But now you're losing a lot of money. And I think that's the thing of the season going too long. Obviously, COVID is unpredictable, but yeah. having a six seven month season. It's taken its toll, and this is the end result that you got two teams playing for a grand final, playing in front of no fans in a different state. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens if one team gets through, or the Melbourne team and the board is still shut. Um, well, absolutely. You, 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 especially if you're Melbourne United, you lose all that advantage that you worked all, all season for. Exactly. And were you going to play three games at the wire of birth? There's no advantage to the top team then. Mm. So, right now, it's an evil playing field. Um, obviously, it was played in Melbourne. Still have Melbourne United's favourites, but South East have got every chance right now. Um, whoever comes more, more energy and uh, ready to play, um, not like there's much travel involved. Yeah, so no, no travel, yeah. Plenty of recovery. Um, both teams have been on the road for the same amount of time, but... Um, I still think Melbourne uh, United's got too many weapons. Um, Chris Goulding's been playing some really good basketball lately, shooting the ball really well. So, um, But I think it'll be uh, one of the better theories. And that mm. Unlike a lot of basketball fans, I reckon they wish it was played in Melbourne. It'd be a great atmosphere. Yeah. It's the Phoenix first final series, and yet you're playing in Sydney in front of no mm. fans. So, um, yeah, no, but I think Melbourne United would be too strong. So on Tab Touch, 
for game one. Melbourne United one thirty seven. South East Melbourne three dollars ten. Do you think it's a bit closer than than, than that might suggest? I think so. Um, South East have got a, got a lot of weapons. Sykes, Creek, Ryan, um, yeah, Carl Adams. So yeah, there are some odds there. If you want to jump on? I reckon Phoenix are a good bet, but um, yeah, uh, I just find it very weird that playing. It's almost like a preseason game behind closed <laughs> it doors. Is, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's um that's lock you down, Matty. Um. The Wildcats and the Hawks, who wins the series and does it go to three games or two? Uh, I'm tipping Hawks just because uh, the Bryce Titan factor. Yep. Um, if Bryce is playing, it'd be done in two. Um, but I think the Hawks, can, uh, if they get game one, I reckon it'll be over in two. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be fascinating to see. Um, and what about Melbourne United and South East Melbourne? I think uh, Melbourne United will go to three games. Melbourne United will get first, Phoenix will get two, then Melbourne United with their depth and experience will get game three. Oh, fantastic. We'll we'll come back next week and see how we go. So it should all be done at least by Tuesday, and then we can have a look ahead to the grand final and also the award winners. So they'll be announced next Wednesday by the league. I'm looking forward to picking your brain about those as well, Matty. Um, it's been good to catch up again. It's been a while. We'll make sure it's not that long in between once again. But um, what are you most looking forward to? Out of out of this final, these semi-final series before we before we wrap it up. Uh, I think it's a good chance for um, Illawarra to just show that it's not a one-off. Like where yeah. they were last year to now, um, shows you how good a job they've done behind the scenes, and obviously getting uh, Brian Gordon. It just shows you how great of a coach he is to come back first year in the league and get a chance to beat the reigning back-to-back champions and make it through the grand final. So, um, yeah, no, I'm interested to see how Illawarra come out in game one. Oh, fantastic. Good to catch up again, Matty. We'll be back next week and, and see how we went. Sounds good, mate. Okay, welcome back to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Big thank you to Damien Martin for announcing his winner of the Best Defensive Player of the Year, thanks to Boomerang. And a big thank you to the insight there provided by Matty Knight into the into the NBL finals that we're about to, to see, thanks to Tab Touch. I'm back here now with the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. And we're going to announce our Hoops Heaven MVP winner for the... 2021 NBL season. Now, you don't know the results of the leaderboard, Sean. You've cast the votes each and every week during the season. The three nominees from the NBL for the MVP were Bryce Cotton, Tyler Harvey, and Nathan Sobey. Do you imagine your top three is going to be those three? Or do you think somebody else might be in the mix? Yeah, I think... Um, you no, know, I, I, I really like Jacques Landale and um, the way he's he's gone about it and the fact that he's on the best team in the league, I think you got to throw him in the mix. So if I had to throw another guy in, I think he, he would be in there. And let's not forget Humphreys as well. I mean, he started out the year mm-hmm. outstanding. So if he had been healthy, I think he could have had a, a real chance as well. Yeah, I think you make a great point. He only ended up playing 19 games in the end. And as we get towards the top of this leaderboard, you'll realize that he was pretty high up. So... I think you're on the money there. That's Let's go start at the bottom on our leaderboard now, Sean, for this Hoop 7 MVP award. These players all got one vote from you during the season. Corey Webster, Colton Iverson, Nate Jawai, and Levi Randolph. Sam Froling and Todd Blanchfield picked up two votes along the way. Ben Moore, Joe Lowell, Achul got three votes. Finn Delaney and Josh Giddy got the four along the way. Five votes for Justin Simon, Ty Webster, Cam Oliver, and Chris Golding. Scott Machado and Kiefer Sykes, six votes. Mitch McCarron, seven votes. Vic Law and Jarrell Martin, eight votes. Casper Ware picked up 12 votes. Daniel Johnson, 13. And Mitch Creek, 13. From any of those players, any of them surprise you that they perhaps got as many as they did or perhaps didn't get as many as they, as you thought they might have? 
Oh, look, I think another one, Mitch Creek, probably should be in the running there. Um, mm. With, uh, you know, I thought he had a, obviously he missed a bit of time as well with uh, some of the issues, off, off-court issues he had. So, um, you know, I think he's, he's definitely an MVP candidate, but, um, it, you know, probably deserves to be, be up in there as well. Yeah, so he ended up in seventh place. So sixth place. The men you mentioned before, Isaac Humphreys, from 19 games, ended up with, with 15 votes. So I think you're right. If he played another 17 games, he could have been right in the mix to win this award. Um, so then in fifth place, we've got Nathan Sobey on 21 votes. Um, the league's got him in the top three. Are you? How, how do you feel? Are you happy to have him in fifth place, or do you think he deserves to be in the top three? Look, I, I, you know, it's always tough. I mean, you look at some of these, you know, the way we've done it, you know, given five votes and four, three, two, one for each round. I mean, there's mm. some rounds where they're outstanding, but someone else may just have a, a much better round. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then other rounds, they may be good, but no one else has an outstanding round. So it's mm-hmm. it, it can be tough. But, you know, probably if I'm looking at it, I, I would have said – um, the fact that Brisbane didn't make the finals tells me that it probably, you know, probably in that, that fifth spot's about right. Yeah, well, if we get, when we look at your top four, they're all part of the finals. So that you've always said every single show that we've given the votes, you've talked about how winning counts and, and that's how the voting's turned out. Fourth place, we've got John Mooney on 28 votes and on a team with Bryce Cotton, it's a pretty special effort for him to finish so high. Yeah, I think it's just his consistency, and uh, you know, I, the thing I like about Mooney, he just so many does so many little things that may not show up on a stat sheet. You know, deflections, being in the right spot, um, just grabbing a big rebound that he probably had no business getting. Um, and and let's be honest, he's playing a little bit out of position as well, and um, still having a, a huge impact. Mm. Now, third position, we've got Jock Landale. 29 votes, so one ahead of, of John Mooney, a top three finish for Jock, and I think that's what you were alluding to earlier. That's probably what he deserves. Yeah, I do. I, I really like him. You know, he's not going to give you 30 every week, but he's going to give you 15 to 25, close to 8 to 10 boards, and he's just going to make the job easier for everyone else out there. You can stretch the floor. He's going to get double, triple teamed in the post whenever he gets the ball. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he, he's an impact player in this league. And without setting the league on fire, he's uh, been a huge reason why uh, Melbourne United have uh, finished top this year. Now, this is where things get a little bit interesting. So that, that's, that's a Jock Landale in third position. So now for our winner of the Hoop7 MVP award, Sean, believe it or not, you couldn't split them. So we've got Bryce Cotton finishing on 46 votes and Tyler Harvey, who came home in a blaze of glory, he's finished up on 46 votes as well. So uh, a tie. Yeah. A tie, wow. And, uh, you know, I'm happy with that because I think both guys really deserve it. I mean, let's be Mm. honest, both of those teams – Definitely the Hawks aren't in the finals. Uh, I wouldn't say the Wildcats would be out of the finals, but it would be it'd be a hard slog for them to get through a full 36-game season yeah. without uh, the scoring punch and um, that Bryce Cotton gives them. So, um, you know, I'm actually pretty happy. I think Tyler Harvey deserves to be recognized um, for that. And, uh, you know, I think he, he's had an outstanding year. So, uh he, you know, Wildcat fans may not agree, but um, but and let, let's be honest. I mean, Bryce missed in the last few rounds of the season as well. If he plays, he probably wins the MVP. So, um, it just yeah, goes- he probably does. But I yeah, I don't think there's any disrespect being tied with Tyler Harvey for what he's done. Now, what I want to do, Sean. Now, I'm happy for them to be split between you, but I want our listeners to decide the winner. So we're going to put it out to a vote between Bryce Cotton and Tyler Harvey to decide our MVP, thanks to Hoops Heaven. And not only that, we'll have a special prize to give away to one of our one of our fans that votes, thanks to Hoops Heaven. So I think that's a, that's a fair way to do it, isn't it, Sean? I like it. I like it, Pikey. Let's, uh, let's, let's have the, phones, or the fans uh, decide and uh, 
see how see how it plays out. I have a sneaky suspicion how it might play out, but uh, <laughs> I I, th- I think Bryce might have the advantage in our in our voting <laughs> system somehow. Yes. <laughs> but maybe Tyler Harvey has some uh, Illawarra Hawks that are going to jump online and uh, push him over the edge. Yeah, so I think that's the best way to do it. So we'll we'll put out the vote on social media. We'll come back next week and announce the winner and also a special prize for one of our one of our listeners, thanks to Hoops Heaven. So it's been a fun award all season, Sean. I'm glad that this is something that you've been able to vote throughout the whole season and you've been really consistent in your voting and... And I think if you look at the leaderboard, I think you've pretty much got it spot on. So um, I'm very happy with what we've been able to do here. And thanks to Hoops Heaven for their support. Now, we've got the finals to look forward to, Sean. Give me your quick rundown on both of these series and, and what your predictions are going to be and how many games you think they'll go to. I actually think both games or both series will go to three games. I think that there's... Uh... You know, I think Illawarra playing at home in game two. The one they've got to try and get, I think, is game one. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got to try and get that game one. It gives them a little bit of confidence going into game two. Because I just think on the road in game three is going to be too tough with a you know a full RAC arena and the Red Army. Yep. Um, we'll get the Wildcats over the lawn. So I actually think it'll go game three. But... Um, you know, I'll be interested. It, it'll probably depend on how healthy Mitch Norton is as well. You know, if he can limit Absolutely. Yeah. Tyler Harvey and his impact, then uh, it's going to help the Wildcats. But uh, if not, then, uh, you know, I think the Hawks have a shot. And the other one, you know, I'm guessing every everyone's predicting Melbourne United is just going to walk right over the Phoenix. I'm not so sure on that. I think the Phoenix are a deeper team than you think. Um, and, you know, I'm surprised with the results in the last couple of weeks, but I do think mm. uh, on, a, on a neutral court, I think the Phoenix have a chance. I think that one's going to go to game three, but I think it's going to be Melbourne United, Perth Wildcats in the grand final. And in fairness, that's probably the grand final we've been expecting and probably wanting all season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting the official word out of the Wildcats saying that Bryce Cotton, they, they they said he won't play in this series with the Illawarra Hawks, um, but they haven't officially ruled him out of the NBL Finals, from my understanding. So mm. um, could there be a little magic there yeah. to get Bryce <laughs> Cotton back? Does the you know does the Grand Final for whatever reason get delayed a couple days or a week or so? Um, well, let's be honest, the, the longer it's stretched out, the more chance that there is of that happening. Yes, yes, that, that is true. I mean, I think it's unlikely from what I've seen uh, of Bryce and the way he's moving, but um, ooh, I guess we'll kind of have to kind of have to see. But that, how, uh, how exciting would that be? Uh, you know, how what would the <laughs> you crowd imagine the reaction do, of the, the crowd? Red Army, yeah. if Bryce <laughs> just walks out there out on the court? That would be, uh, that'd be, that would be special. Oh, it, it would be unbelievable. Um, was it Willis Reed that did that for the New York Knicks back in the day? Was it was it him that, or was it Bernard King? There was a f- very famous. Uh, Will, Willis Reed for for the Willis Knicks. Reed, yeah, yeah, came out. He was limping pr- pretty much on one leg and uh, came out and helped his team to uh, yeah to an epic win. Mm, that's right. So it could be something. Could be something similar. So let's look forward to that. Thanks for your predictions, there, Sean. One last thing I wanted to get your thoughts on an old teammate of yours who was a development player in that championship with your with yourself and Galen Young back in two thousand and ten at the Wildcats, and you also won an SBL title with him at the Perth Redbacks this weekend. Joel Wagner becomes the all-time games record holder at the Perth Redbacks. He's all already the league's all-time assist leader. He's a listener of our show, so hello to, to Joel, and thanks for your support. Can I just get your quick thoughts on what he was like as a teammate and on his ongoing achievements? Oh, look, Joel is, uh, you know, he deserves every record he, he can get and, uh, you know, service he's given to the Perth Redbacks, um, pretty remarkable. And, uh, you know, there's just some guys that you just love taking the court with. And Joel's one of them. I mean, you just know he's just gonna. He, he he's a bulldog as a as a defender. Super smart as a 
as a point guard, and and I really enjoyed, and probably a reason why I wanted to go play with the Redbacks when I finished my my NBL career, yeah. just knowing that I was going to line up with a guy that understood the game and knew how to play, and we probably have an alignment on just our understanding of the game as well. So I, I really enjoyed my couple of years playing with him, one with the Wildcats, but then two really, um, you know, being out there on court quite a bit with him and the Redbacks. It was um, some good memories there. And congratulations to Joel. He's uh, He deserves all the accolades he can get. And, uh, you know, every time I run into him, he's saying, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to play again. And then I'll look down at the <laughs> uh, the NBL 1 West list, and there's Joel Wagner and uh, still getting it done. Yeah, no, fantastic. No, really good insights there, Sean, and well done to Joel. It's been a big episode, Sean. Thanks to Hoop7 once again for making it possible. Thank you to TabTouch for bringing us the preview there with Matty Knight. Thank you to Boomerang for bringing us the Damo Award with Damian Martin. And, of course, dedicated to Galen Young. This show was in memory of, of, of Galen. Um, I'll wrap it up. Looking forward to the NBL Finals getting underway Thursday night in Perth. I'll wrap things up and leave you with the one and only Scoring Machine. Thanks, Pikey. Yep, NBA fi- NBL Finals are here. NBA Finals are here. My prediction is our Melbourne United to win the NBL Finals and the Phoenix Suns mm. to beat Steve Nash of the Brooklyn Nets in the <laughs> NBA Finals. So let's see how it plays out. But uh, it'll um, it's going to be a great, great final series and uh, looking forward to it.